Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today's show, we're going to be focusing on leveraging diversity and fostering inclusion in the workplace. And we have three wonderful guests to kind of help us have today's conversation. I'm going to introduce all three of you now. We have uh, Dr. Stephen Jones, who's the CEO of Jones & Associates Consulting, based here in San Diego, California. Stephen, I hear you have recently published a second book with regards to, I have cultural competence leading through new lens in the uh, 21st century. Did I get that correct? Uh, in the process of uh, completing it, actually. Oh, you're in the process of completing it. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I knew I hadn't seen it. I have your first book. What's the title <laughs> of your first book? Uh, Journey to Excellence. Journey to Excellence, yes, which, yeah. was, which was actually excellent in and of itself. So Thank you. I had that one on my bookshelf and actually have had opportunity to go through it, but I hadn't seen this new one. So good, I'm not late. It's just not out yet. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay, yes. then also with us on the line is Dr. Judith Katz. And um, I'm going to introduce our next two together because the CEO um, of the same company, Fred Miller, is also on the line. And Judith is the Executive Vice President and Client Brand Lead with Khalil Jamison Consulting Group. And uh, Fred is the CEO of the same group and also the lead strategist with uh, KJCG. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Yes, and I know. I, I'm sorry. What was that? I said, glad to be on the show. Glad to have you on the show, Fred. And I know both of you have authored many books and um, two together. And the last of which you've authored together is uh, "Be Big, Step Up, Step Out, Be Bold." That's that's our last baby. Yes, that's your last baby. Well, congratulations on giving birth to it. And we're working on our next. All right, fabulous. Well, before we jump into today's conversation, I'm going to have each of you just share a little bit about yourself so that we can um, maybe gain a little bit of a uh, reference point regarding the perspective that you bring. Um, Fred, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, I um, live in the Albany, New York area, and uh, CEO, as you indicated, of a medium-sized consulting firm. There are about 30 of us who are members of the firm, and we work with large organizations, mostly Fortune 50 companies around strategic culture change, looking at the culture they are today and what do they need and what do they need to get there with a focus on people and teams. Um, I've been doing this work for 30-some years, been in Prior to being with this consulting firm, I worked for a large financial institution, and it was one of the first companies in the nation to start working on issues of diversity internally. Fabulous. And I recall you back from my days at the city of San Diego. You guys did quite a bit of work with yeah. our uh, supervisor's diversity training program back Correct. in, I don't know, was yeah. that the 90s? or yeah. The early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah. Well, wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for joining us. And Judith, um, as Fred's colleague there, why don't we have you chime in and add to or give your own sure. flavor to your perspective? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I've been with uh, our firm since 1985 and uh, been one of the co-owners and working with Fred. Um, and as he said, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate to have some of the best clients around. 
um, mostly fortune, as you said, 500 companies, um, and working with you know a varied range of industries because we what we see ourselves is not specializing in one but really providing competitive advantage to the organizations with which we serve. And before I worked with the firm, I was an academic, um, so I taught at uh, San Diego State actually for a number of years, as well as University of Oklahoma, um, and. Um, Really got involved in this work in the 60s when I wrote, um, and actually my dissertation, doctoral dissertation, focused on racism and what was in it for white people to address racism from a white perspective. So um, I published a book in 78 called White Awareness, which was um, still actually in press today. So kind of a varied career and a lot of ways of seeing this work evolve over you know, these, these decades, uh, which has been pretty exciting. Yeah, wonderful. And where are you guys actually based? So our firm is based in Albany, Troy, New York area, um, and I'm based in Washington, D.C. Okay, well, fabulous, and great to have you with us today as well. Thank you. Yes, and Dr. Stephen Jones, why don't we hear a little bit about yourself? Sure, Cheryl. Let me let me start off by saying I am really honored to be uh, on this show with two of my mentors and people I look up to in the field, both Fred and Judith. And so um, for me, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of your show and to be on the platform with these two distinguished individuals. So I, I want to start off that way, very much so. Um, uh, my firm, uh, Jones & Associates Consulting, um, is based, as you said, in, in San Diego. And we get a chance to uh, work with uh, Fortune 500 companies with universities and with K through 12 organizations. Part of um, our goal as a diversity and organizational change consulting firm is really to leverage the best thinking across those multiple industries so that we can kind of bring the best from uh, what's working in terms of instilling diversity and multiculturalism within universities and bring that to the corporate arena and then bring the corporate arena's best thinking to the university arena and the same um, at the K-12 through level so that we're really kind of cross-pollinating and then also figuring out what is unique to each of those industries, including the public and nonprofit arena as well. Um, we've been um, a firm for the last 23 years, and um, I personally have had the opportunity to work uh, in partnership with Khalil Jamison um, and to be act as one of the consultants in their organization, which is, you know, a fine organization, and, and it was exciting to be a part of the team. Um, and so we very much so um, at Jones & Associates really work to say how do we lead with listening with our clients to really figure out the right solution that's going to work for them. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Stephen, for that introduction of yourself mm -hmm. and for, again, joining us. Um, Fred, I'm going to transition and uh, ask you to just share with us your thoughts. I know that um, sometimes people use words and terms in an interchangeable way and um, that can sometimes create a little confusion with regards to the difference between some things that might be pretty important. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on the difference between affirmative action, diversity, and inclusion initiatives in the workplace. Sure. Before I want to do that, I also want to say that how much we admire and respect Stephen, and as we work together and work side by side, um, it was just an absolute pleasure. So, Stephen, I I miss you. Good to hear you on the radio. And um, here, Fred. I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. There's, 
there are many, many challenges out there, and to have another firm with some of, of your caliber and quality being involved um, just will help us make the changes that we need to make in the world. So I'm glad you're out there doing this good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to echo the admiration for both of you. From my perspective, <laughs> we have to have we all, all admire each other. And, I, and I'm pleased that our radio so, show could be a reunion. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the question. Um, I, I think, um, you know, affirmative action was really about um, looking at people who were disenfranchised outside of the system, whether the work system or in, in um, receiving um, services in the society and saying that the society had to do something in addition to normal, because normal was actually discrimination, um, in addition to normal in order to get that group of people included in the process. And so affirmative action was basically said, if you have two candidates that are equally qualified, nothing about affirmative action talked about hiring unqualified people, but if you have two people equally qualified, give the edge to the people who have been left out historically of the system. Um, in that case, it was it was um, people of color, it was women, um, obviously with people with disabilities, it, it, more groups got included. Um, now we're talking a lot and doing laws to change it around gays and lesbians, but it was the dis- people who were basically out of the system, how do we get them in, and the notion that if we take some extra action, some affirmative action, that would make a change. Affirmative actions had some success. I would not say it's been the success that the people who wrote the law and, and advocated for the law um, wanted to achieve fully, but it clearly opened some doors. There's no question about that. I think when, um, and I was, you know, starting my work with organizations and inside of organizations um, in the late 60s, and that, that, um, that, we saw that affirmative action was not doing all that need to happen because people were coming in with some stigma about your affirmative action hire, and that was a negative, not a positive. It should have been a positive, as people originally wrote the law. Diversity was something that several people um, came up with. I think it was a concept that kind of started on the West Coast. Um, I first heard of it through an organization called National Training Labs, NTO um, Institute, and we started talking about diversity to try to move beyond just affected groups or affected classes or people who discriminated. And really, diversity initially was intended to meet everybody, that we wanted just to have a diverse workplace where everybody was included and their race, their gender, their sexual orientation did not get in the way of their contribution. Um, unfortunately, in, in many quarters, not all, in many quarters, Diversity just became another word for affirmative action. And people start seeing diversity as a numbers game. And as, let's get one of those and one of those and one of those, and often it was just one. Um, And so that um, did not go as far as we would have liked or others would have liked who were working in that area because it became, people became numbers and not getting fully included in the organization. And then, um, then, Inclusion, we moved towards the, my phone in the background, sorry. Uh, inclusion became uh, how do we get everybody that's in the workplace included? How do we make sure that this diverse group of people who look different and may act different are fully considered part of the organization? And so that's the work that Judith and I have been focusing on for the last several years. 
how do we create a workplace where the interactions are inclusive, where everybody's in the game, where nobody's on the sideline. And right. that's been the focus of our work. But it's all three. You need all three. You need it in affirmative action. You need the diversity of the differences. And then you need to make sure all the differences are interacting together. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for it. When we come back from the break, uh, Judith and Stephen, I'll give you an opportunity to add anything to that thought if you'd like to. We're going to take a short break and be right back with more on Leadership Matters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're discussing leveraging diversity and fostering inclusion in the workplace. With us today are Dr. Stephen Jones, Dr. Judith Katz, and Mr. Fred Miller. And right before we went to break, Fred was just kind of finishing up and giving us his perspective as relates to some of the differences and maybe even ways that affirmative action, diversity, and inclusion are linked together. Um, And... Judith and Stephen, I said when we came back, we'd give you an opportunity to add anything to that thinking if you'd like to. Sure. Why don't I go next? Um, so I think, I, you know, I loved everything Fred said. Um, agree with it. That's what happens when you work together all this time, too. Um, the thing I would add is I think in many ways people think of affirmative action is a choice. And I think it's really, um, it's kind of foundational so when I think about affirmative action, we've actually gone to moving and talking about is compliance. I mean, if you're in an organization where you have safety issues, you wouldn't say, well, safety is a choice. It's, you know, to, in many industries, there are certain things you have to do in terms of interacting with the government 
that are just foundational if you want to do business with the government. And that's how I see affirmative action. So it's um, really assuring that you are in compliance with the law and just doing and looking at your underrepresentation in your workforce and working toward achieving uh, par representation is just really beginning to get you in the game. It's not the game. And I think people very often think that if they do their affirmative action with plans and they do their affirmative action due diligence reports, et cetera, and you look at their utilization, that that, in fact, is sufficient for their diversity efforts. And I think the reality is what we've found is that they really have to be thought about separately. And, in fact, office, you know, sometimes you'll see in an organization it's affirmative action and diversity and inclusion office, although fewer and fewer are talking about affirmative action specifically. But I think it confuses the fact that these are really all three separate strategies, all three separate initiatives, and all three need to be dealt with separately. Okay. Um, they have inter, you know, interrelationships, but they really aren't the same. Right. And I think people understanding that is really fundamental to be able to do the work effectively. So that would be the only thing I would add to, uh, to what Fred had said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve, right, yeah. would you like to jump in with any thoughts on that? Sure, I was uh, Judith. I was I was thinking the exact uh, same thing around uh, the compliance versus commitment, mm. right? That that to, to build on your point that lots of organizations today will have an EEO affirmative action officer, and that person does all that Judith uh, so clearly laid out, and and then uh, many organizations are then creating an office of diversity and inclusion or inclusion and diversity that really picks up on the commitment part and really making a commitment to mirror uh, the um, customer base, for example, or to mirror the, the population um, at all levels of the organization from the C-suite uh, to middle managers, you know, throughout the entire workforce. And so the commitment part um, is where uh, leveraging the diversity of talents and ideas and backgrounds of employees comes into play and the commitment part around inclusion to really um, make sure that we're looking at the organizational culture and to create a culture that leverages the talents of all employees and really where people feel valued and respected for their work and their contributions. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, Judith, before we move to really where Stephen has taken us mm -hmm. at, at going in a little bit, want to um, have you say maybe just a few words on the business case. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would an employer invest time and invest resources in a diversity or inclusion-related initiative? Great. Um, to me, that's the most important question they have to answer before they go ahead and do it, because many organizations like to just go ahead and say, well, we need to do this. The question is why and how does this fit with the business strategy or the organization's imperative and mission? And so, the, and there may be many different reasons. You know, it may be related to customers. It may be related to, it should always be related to the organization's results and what they're in business or what their mission is about. Um, so whether it's looking at, for example, engaging employees and making sure that our employees are mirroring our customer base and that we want to create an environment in which they can do their best work so that they can really serve the customers and serve the business that they have. Maybe it's innovation that the organization is striving for. Maybe the organization has to change its culture fundamentally because it's not getting the results it needs. But it has to tie into the metrics of the organization 
and not in some just metrics about numbers or metrics around kind of how many groups of people of which identity are we, are we bringing in. And so for us, the most important beginning part of the work is why is this important enough to invest our time, our resources, our people in terms of engaging in an initiative that's really going to help the organization move? Um, very often it's that we're not getting all the street corners, the, you know, the different perspectives that we need to really be thinking in this fast-paced world. Um, for other organizations, um, for example, they weren't being able to deal with some of the compliance issues because people were fearful of speaking up. Um, in another organization, they weren't getting the results they needed, or their competitors were outpacing them around innovation. So what's the problem or the issue that the organization is really struggling with really becomes the fodder for thinking about the business case of why a diverse workforce and why an inclusive culture are important. Okay. Fred and Stephen, thank you, Judith. Anything you'd like to add? Go for it, Fred. I, I think that I agree with everything that Judith said, and I would add that we're living in a world where organizations have to be very different than they've been in the past. The Industrial Revolution is over. Some of our organizations are still acting like they're still in that era, but it's gone. We're in a very different era now where people are being asked to really think. I talk about it, bring your brains to work. People are being asked to really think on the job, continuously improve everything that they touch to add their voice and their perspective. All organizations haven't caught up with that. So many organizations, people are still afraid to speak up or not asked to speak up. They still live in that old day when I'm not paying you to talk or think, I'm just paying you to do. But organizations that are going to be successful in the 21st century need to have, as Judith indicated, lots of different perspectives to understand this global economy that they're operating in. And even if you're a local business and your business is only you know, within a short geography, you're impacted by the global economy. You're impact, impacted by the Internet. And so you've got to be able to see a bigger world than organizations had to see before. And what differences brings to that is that differences shakes up the organization. It has people thinking differently about things. They're seeing different perspectives. They're allowed to maybe imagine some things they couldn't imagine when everybody thought the same or were the same or weren't even allowed to speak. So I, I see what diversity is bringing to the organization, and then including that diversity as really allowing organizations to enhance their perspective so that they can address a world that's changing every day. I mean, two right. weeks ago, three weeks ago, right. nobody's going to say that Egypt would be on fire today, mm -hmm. uh, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. And who's thinking around the corner? Who's thinking about what's out there next? Diversity gives you that. Sameness limits the perspective. Okay. Uh, thanks, Fred. Stephen, anything you'd like to add? Um, I think that, that, that both Judith and, and, and Fred really laid out the importance of the business case. And, and what, I, what I would add to that is that it's, it's also important for organizations to tailor and, and customize, as, as you said, Judith, the, to their business imperatives mm -hmm. so that it's not diversity for diversity's sake, but it's really about what business are we in and then how will diversity given the unique culture of 
you know, that particular organization, given the unique history of that particular organization, given the unique customers and the unique politics within that organization, how does the organization craft a business case that is going to get some traction and that is going to speak to different levels of the organization, both the the upper levels of the organization as well as the frontline employees within an organization. And so I think the, the idea of really communicating that business case in a way that it makes sense to the people in the company, I think, is, is really uh, another core part. Okay, great. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen, why don't we um, stick with you, and I want to ask you the um, kind of building on that thought of thinking the business case has been laid and an organization is moving forward, what might be some challenges that they might encounter as it relates to managing diversity or fostering inclusion in the workplace? And um, when we're thinking about those challenges, even what might be some ways of overcoming those potential barriers? Sure. I think there are, there are three challenges that, that we see very often in our work with, with clients. The first challenge is that many organizations create a narrow definition of diversity. And um, as, as you said earlier, Judith, that the focus will be on, on numbers and specifically the focus will be mainly on gender and ethnicity. And, and part of what we advise organizations to do is really to not only look at the demographic diversity, including race and gender, but also uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, um, age. Uh, there's a lot of uh, work that's important around generational differences and understanding the four generations that are working in the workplace together. Um, and, and also, not only the demographic organiz- uh, diversity, but also the organizational diversity. So when we look at field versus headquarters or tenure within organizations, so the broader definition of diversity cre- starts to create that inclusion that you were talking about, Fred. And, and, and so I, I think that um, broadening the definition of diversity is one answer to the challenge of that narrow definition. The second challenge that we oftentimes see is that there is a lack of diversity, especially at the senior levels of many organizations. And with that lack of diversity comes a lack of cultural competency, which is the skill to leverage the differences and build inclusion. And so we find that many um, organizations are led by, let's say, majority white men groups who um, don't have the understanding nor the experience to really um, understand why diversity is beneficial to the organization. And so what we find that's important is to increase the diversity of uh, the organization, or to do what I've, I've, one of the things I've learned from working with Fred and Judith is to uh, connect with thought leaders within the organization who are people from diverse backgrounds, who um, are at different levels of the organization, who can coach and consult to the, let's say, mainly white male executive group. Um, and, and I think that's the, the second challenge. And then the third challenge is really sorting through the culture of the organization. Hey, but I'm going to have to put a comma right there. You got it. And we're you got going to take a brief break. But when we come back, we're going to start with where you're leaving off. Because okay. I'm appreciating your, your comments. So we'll be right back after this short break with more on Leadership Matters.
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Get ready for an exciting and eye-opening hour every week on Globe Talk with Avisant. Join your host, Kevin Parikh, for an inside look at the world economy with a special focus on technology and its impact on humankind. We will invite the top industry experts to our forum and answer your questions, too. Globe Talk with Avisant airs live every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're discussing... Leveraging diversity and fostering inclusion in the workplace. And we have three wonderful guests, Mr. Fred Miller, Dr. Judith Katz, and Dr. Stephen Jones. Thank you all three for staying with us. And then, Stephen, I know before we went to break, you were in the midst of a uh, sentence sharing a thought, and I'm going to have you just jump back in. Sure, sure. Uh, thanks, Cheryl. The, the third point that I was making as a challenge um, to managing diversity and fostering inclusion is to create an organizational culture that um, that values the diversity um, and leverages that diversity through inclusion. And what I mean by that is that we sometimes work with, with clients who have a culture that is conflict avoidant, for example. And let's say whether it's about the budget or about projects um, that are technical projects and so the culture of the organization is conflict-averse, and so when we start talking about diversity, we would expect that people would avoid the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And what we find is that oftentimes people kind of blame diversity 
when the challenge is actually within the culture of the organization itself. So we say it's really important to build a culture within the organization where people gain the skills to be able to value the differences and leverage inclusion, and, and that's what I would identify as the third challenge. Okay, excellent. And um, additional thoughts? Fred or Judith? Yes, uh, this is Fred. Um, I, I agree with what, what Stephen said. I think that's right on and, and critical. And I, I, what I would add is I think... Well, some of what he said, people have a lot of fears around diversity, mm-hmm. and diversity has been used in so many ways, as I said earlier, even to mean affirmative action, that we've actually stopped using the word diversity as much mm-hmm. as we can and just talk about differences and really just highlight that we're really talking about people interacting and engaging with differences. And what Steve said was right on, which is people don't always know about the difference that's the difference that someone else represents. And that often leads to people being fearful. And we have a lot of fear in the society around people who we don't know but are different from us. You know, again and again, the data indicates that when people know someone of that different group, gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, when they know somebody, they feel positive towards the group. When they don't know anybody, they feel negative about the group, at least as many people do. So we have a lot of work to do to bring people together so that they can make the connection and have the interaction to change the mythology that they have and the fears that they carry around um, people in the workplace, which makes it difficult for diversity um, to be successful. The other thing I would add around um, inclusion is that the challenge is that inclusion is really a power shift, and this is what Judith and I are working on in our next book, where we talk about power shifts that are happening in organizations that will change them forever. Because inclusion means letting everybody bring their voice. And again, that's not been the norm in our organizations. Our organizations have been places where the boss speaks and others listen. There have been places where um, people have been afraid to speak up, or if you spoke up and identified a problem, you became the problem. A lot of that killed the messenger. So um, we're really seeing, and what we're advocating in our clients, is that there needs to be a power shift from central control by a few to the involvement of the many, which parallels some of what we're learning through the Internet. And Judith? The, I mean, I love everything the both of you said. Um, the thing I would add also is I think if you're going to really leverage diversity and create an inclusive culture, fundamentally you're talking about changing an organization's culture. And I remember Fred always talks about a story where he was uh, talking to a potential client and we were, you know, talking about inclusion and talking about leveraging differences and, and all of this. And he said, you mean I'm going to have to change this organization? I'm not here to do that. I just want to bring more people in. And to me, I think that was kind of a story that was a fundamental kind of challenge that we see is that many times people say, we don't want to change anything here. We just want to look a little different. And I think the reality is if we're going to really bring about a real diverse organization that, that leverages those voices and really brings them in not just to assimilate but to be different and to bring a different perspective in as well as to really feel like they can do their best work, it's going to mean that we have to actually change the way we're operating. And I think very often, back to the business case, organizations don't know what they're saying yes to. They think they need to do this work because it's in vogue or because 
you know, maybe they don't look like their customers, but they're not fundamentally thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to change everything about how we operate. And I think that's where step change and really shifting one's business model or shifting the ways in which we need to operate, because I'm not only just bringing you in, even think about the four of us. I'm not just bringing you in. I want to hear what you have to say. And your street corner, how you see the world, may be quite different than mine. And I think that's the place where it becomes such a challenge for organizations. You know, many, many don't want to go down that road. So let me just uh, zoom in a little bit more with regards to the the thoughts around inclusion and thinking of how voices can be heard. How how can um, organizations go about engaging employees in a way where they feel that they um, are a greater part of that, one might say, decision-making um, platform or that they do have a space where they can... Um, contribute freely. What are you seeing, just kind of zoning in on the uh, space of inclusion as necessary qualities to foster that type of culture? You know, what what strikes me when I think of organizations is that they're almost upside down, that, again, back to the Industrial Revolution of things were, that people closest to the customer were not treated that well. Sales people, um, service people in organizations, people in call centers, but if you talk about who's interfacing with the customer or who's interfacing with the patient, that's your most important person in, in those kinds of organizations. And yet in many organizations, they're the least paid. Um, in one of our organizations, it was a call center. And historically, call center people have not been the most highly paid or highly respected or seen as critical ingredients to the organization. But they realized the call center people had more data about the customer than anybody else. They were interacting with customers all the time. First, they had to decide that they weren't going to put a clock on them and make them talk to the customer as fast as possible and talk to as many customers as possible. But versus that, service the customer, stay in the conversation, and have a successful conversation. And that's what some of our most successful companies on the Internet have done, is set up a situation where the person you talk to, interact with, or email engages you, that just tries to get rid of you. And I think what's happened in that organization is that the call center people were starting to be seen as important and critical and asking for their voices, letting them have time together as a team and talk about what they could do to improve things, what they're learning. And so it's beginning to include everybody in the organization, no matter what their level, what their rank, what their tenure, in the conversation of improvement, of servicing customers and servicing patients, and creating a better organization for everybody, not just some, but for all. Fred, you re- you reminded me of a, a conversation I had with with a manager. We were working with their organization over a year, and after about six months of working um, with these, this organization, the manager um, came up to me and he said, you know, when I first started this training and education series and I heard about inclusion and diversity, he says, I, I saw that my that my upper-level manager was, was committed to it. He goes, I really wasn't, but I'm a smart guy, so I kind of went along. And he says, what we used to do is, as managers, we would go off and make a decision and then figure out how we're going to sell it to the, to the employees. He said, then we moved to, before we would try to sell it, we would get a small group of the employees together and ask their feedback before we would try to sell it. And we realized that they came up with ideas that we hadn't thought about. And he goes, then we moved to bringing them to the table in the beginning, and we didn't have to sell it at all. And I, and I think that, for me, is a great example 
of that manager moving from exclusion to inclusion and seeing the value of what you talked about, Fred. Great. I love both of those examples and underscoring the importance of having everyone feel that their voice is important and that they are critical and that they are um, respected. Right. Mm -hmm. And how that adds to then um, giving some space for those individuals to also be heard and be part of that decision-making process. Judith, anything you want to add to that? I think the one thing I would say that, that, you know, some of this means that we have to really change people's mindset about what it means to contribute in an organization. So, you know, when we think about inclusion, it's that people have a sense of belonging, that they feel, as you said, uh, Dr. G, you know, respected, valued, and seen for who they are as an individual, which means you really need to understand my difference as well as who I am. And then the third part is that they're getting that, um, that they're getting supportive energy and commitment from their colleagues, from leaders, and others so that they can do their best work. And I think one of the things that um, is connected with that means that there's some behaviors that they have to learn. Um, this, for example, in our practice, we use 12 inclusive behaviors that really helps people look at, you know, ideally I might think about this, I might know that it's important, but I don't know how to do it. So just behaviors what would help those inclusive do the how. Let me, just, let me just freeze you and have you spend a little bit of time there. Those 12 inclusive behaviors, what might those look like? So they're everything from, you know, simple things like greeting people authentically and saying hello. You know, if people don't feel seen in an organization, they don't feel like they matter. And so, I mean, it may sound silly, but to us, sometimes people say, you know, my boss will get up there and say, people are our most important asset, and then they'll walk down the hallway and never say hello to me. And then what we often talk about is the more different you are, the less hellos you often get. It's kind of like, you know, the donuts come by and you don't get one. <laughs> the lunch invitations happen and somehow you, they forgot to invite you. Mm-hmm. So it's being seen becomes like a first step in those. Others is how do you really create a sense of safety for yourself and team members? Just because you feel safe doesn't mean I feel safe. So okay. how do we really spend that time to speak up? Right. Judith, we're going to take a um, brief commercial break and we'll come back and maybe let you finish your thoughts on okay. that. Okay. Hey, we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Judith, we're going to just hand this right over to you to finish your thoughts. Sure. So I was talking a little bit about the 12 inclusive behaviors. I won't go through all 12 of them. I'll just pick out a couple of that I think really stand out for the leaders and the people of organizations that we work with. Um, the one that I think is so powerful is talked about listen as an ally. And we talk about listen as an ally, listen, 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 and engage. And I think for so many people, when they're, whether they're making a presentation to senior leaders or whether they're in teams, people listen as skeptics. I'm looking for the hole in the argument. I'm looking for where you might make a mistake. And when you start shifting to listen as an ally, it just changes the safety, it changes the interaction, it changes how I'm engaging with you. So that's one of the behaviors that people will gravitate to and say, boy, I don't do that one enough. In fact, I can understand why people don't feel like they're feeling included because I'm not really listening to them. It's like the old art of active listening that we've all lost. Um, That one I think is very powerful. And then the last one I would just add is, you know, asking the question of who else needs to be in the room to understand this situation. And so if we're really about leveraging differences, if we're really about trying to understand all the perspectives, are we really asking the question, is this the right group to be making this decision? Is this the right group to be having this conversation? Are we missing an important perspective that if we had it would expedite our ability to problem solve or expedite our decision making, expedite... um, our ability to really be more innovative. And so those are just some of them. There's 12 of them that we use, but just to give your guests kind of an idea about some specific ways to really make inclusion a way of life, a how, and not just a thought. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. And, Judith, are these 12 steps of inclusion included in your your last book, the... um they're not. They're an inclusion they're breakthrough. Um, they're a breakthrough. Okay. They're inclu- in, in, in unleashing the power of diversity. Okay. And people can get them on our website as well. So Great. You want to yeah. go on and say your website? Sure. It's www.kjcg.com. Great. Very good. Fred, you were speaking a little earlier about the broader context of our nation and how that might be impacting the... Um, organizational life as it relates to diversity and inclusion. Want to say a little bit more about that? 
Yes, I, I, I think in the, when affirmative action inclusion was first happening in the country in the 60s, 70s, 80s, when it was really making change, the whole society was moving towards a greater understanding of ourselves and of each other. I feel like now we're talking more and more about our differences, and I think that's impacting organizations who haven't quite figured out that this is beyond just being in sync with society. It's about organizational survivor, survival. But I think a lot of organizations say, well, we have uh, you know, a president of the United States that's different than the traditional president. Um, my neighbor may be, or I've seen somebody on TV who is different, and so therefore we've done it. And so I, I kind of join the voices of others who feel like there's a danger of the society feeling like we've accomplished what we need to accomplish around our differences when we haven't. I mean, if this is a, a you know, a many, um, let's do football. If we're doing many quarters game, four-quarter game, you know, we're probably at the halftime, and we're taking that halftime rest when we should be doing halftime strategy. Um, so that's one concern I have, and it has organizations feeling a little less external pressure um, from a societal or governmental um, influence around doing some of the things they need to do to make sure everybody gets included. I think the other thing is, um, as a society, seems to be a little more tolerant of having a rich group of people and a poor group of people, and and letting that not be a disgrace, but letting that be kind of what people think is kind of the way nature works out. I think it is dividing people um, in ways that um, some people are losing touch with the, the the overall society and everybody in the society, and having them think more about themselves than others. Now, I'm hoping this is just a phase that we're going through, and the pendulum was swinging the other way again. But um, those concerns in organizations, even inside of our organizations, about how much executives at the top get paid and how much people get paid at other levels in the organization, is just reinforcing and reflecting society and seems to be tolerated right now. Um, and I don't think it's a long-term successful proposition. And I think the real push is going to be, and again, many times corporate sector as ahead of the rest of society, is that corporations can't survive by not getting everybody in the game, getting everybody involved, and dealing with an extremely tough um, competitive situation. Great. Thank you, Fred. And, Stephen, anything you want to add to what Fred just shared or any other final thoughts, tip of mind, or to say top of mind tips mm -hmm. you would mm -hmm. like to uh, share with our leaders that might be out there um, talking sure. skills today? Sure, Dr. G. I, I think the one of the, the additional challenges as we look at the world and, and the country as a whole is that oftentimes we teach about oppression. We teach in, uh, about um, sexism, racism, homophobia, heterosexism in the way that it looked for the previous generation. And one of the challenges that I find is that oppression morphs itself differently in the next generation than it did in the previous generation. And I think that morphing can sometimes lead to what you talked about, Fred, is that halftime uh, resting instead of halftime strategizing because the, the, what we can be doing during that halftime as we strategize is to ask the question, how has racism changed in this generation and what does it look like? Uh, how has homophobia changed and what does it look like? So as I think about 
the recent bullying and the unfortunate suicides that have gone on in the country around young people. And so much of the, the suicides were around homophobia, around gay bashing, around um, you know, making fun or bullying kids because they were or perceived as gay or uh, lesbian. Or, um, and, and so we're calling that bullying, but, you know, yesterday and in many cases today, that's, that's very much so homophobia. And so the challenge is really to, one of the challenges is to ask the question, what does oppression look like today? The other tip that I would uh, say is that I think it's also important to focus on um, Judith, you talked about the how, the behaviors, that it's important to focus on the skills versus focusing on identity. We like to say that identity is different from skills. So the idea that because someone is a woman doesn't mean that that person automatically has the skills to effectively communicate with other women. And so this communication is the skill identity is around uh, her being a woman. And so it's important that, because what's happening is we are turning to people of color and saying we want you to lead our diversity efforts, for example, but they may not have the skills to effectively lead and may not be getting feedback on their performance to support them in skilling up. And the same with executives as well. So I think looking at cultural competency as a skill is really important. Okay. It looks like we have to transition to closing out, but um, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to just share the name of your book again. Sure. Uh, the name of uh, my book is Cultural Competency, Leading Through New Lenses in the 21st Century. And we might expect that hitting the shelves when? Uh, by the end of the year. Okay. And your current book that's already been in print for a while, what was it? Journey to Excellence. Journey to Excellence. Thank you so yeah. much again, Steve, for being with us. And Fred and Judith, any final thoughts um, you'd like to uh, say? And I know your current book that's out there that we're all excited about was Be Big, Step Up, Step Out, Be Bold. It is. And for us, I think one of the things about that book is how do we help people go from feeling small as individuals, seeing other people as small, and being small on teams, to really being big in all of those ways that we need them to be um, so that we can really create an environment where people can thrive. Um, so if people are interested in that, they can do that and come to our website. Great. Well, Stephen, Judith, and Fred, thank you all so much for being with us today. And thank you also to our listening audience for tuning in. Join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on how you can make your leadership matter. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.